All right, by way of hands, how many of you worry? I think most of us would answer like the one lady. I'm human, aren't I? Um, on one day this week, Danny and I were out walking, and as we were walking, um, we were talking about something, and I turned to her and I said, so are you worried about that? And she turned to me and she said, should I be? To which I responded, no, you shouldn't worry. I'm preaching a sermon on worry on Sunday, and I wanted to see how you would respond to that. You know, the reality is we worry. You know, most of us in this room worry about something. Some of the things that we worry about, we worry about our finances, we worry about our health, we worry about our marriages, our children, our jobs. If you're in school, you worry about schoolwork and tests. We worry about our retirement accounts. And, and many of us worry about our aging parents as well. The list could go on and on. Hudson Taylor, missionary to China, said this. He says, let us give up our work, our plans, ourselves, our lives, our loved ones, our influences, our all right into God's hand. And then when we have given all over to him, there will be nothing left for us to be troubled about. What great words for us this morning. If we would give over to the Lord everything, there would be nothing left for us to worry about. Over the past several weeks, we have been in Matthew chapter 6. This morning, we're going to conclude our time in Matthew chapter 6. But over these several weeks, we have looked at how Jesus challenged his disciples and us to give differently, to pray differently, to fast differently. And last week we looked at how we are to invest differently. We are to invest in that which is eternal as opposed to that which is temporal. Randy Acorn referenced Matthew 6 in one of his blogs that he wrote. He said, so if you're investing your life in the right treasury, if you're adopting the right perspective, the eternal perspective. And if you're serving the right master, then he says, therefore, don't worry. If you and I get our investments right, then we will have nothing left to worry about. This word worry, which is also this word anxiety, comes from um, the Greek word marry now. And it means to divide the mind. Some of your translations, as we read Matthew 6 together this morning, will say worry. Some will say anxiety. If you have the King James Version, it's going to say, take no thought. Same word, or different words, same meaning. When you and I worry, our minds are distracted, aren't they? They're distracted from what is most important with that which is least important. So let's see this morning. Let's look at what Jesus said about our worry and our anxiety. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34, if you would turn there with me this morning, we're going to read this passage of scripture together. Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34 says this Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet our heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. 
They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? O you of little faith. Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble." You know what worry does? Worry monopolizes everything, doesn't it? Worry robs us of the life that God intends for us to live. Randy Alcorn also stated in the same blog, he said, Worry specializes in worst-case scenarios when God promises us best-case scenarios. I like that. Worry specializes in worst-case scenarios and God promises us best-case scenarios. Worry monopolizes our time, creates stress, affects our attitude, which affects our relationships. Worry can't be hidden, can't be hidden from our family, from our co-workers, nor our church family. Notice point number one this morning. Point number one is this. Anxiety is a waste. Worry is a waste of time. Verse 25 again says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? In 2008, a a British group did research on the amount of time that a person spends over their lifetime worrying. And they said that the average person spends six and a half years of their life worrying. To break that down a little bit, that means that you and I spend 2,372 days of our life worrying. We spend 142,320 hours of our life worrying. We spend 8,539,200 seconds worrying. Some of you are like, is that it? Man, I thought I worried more than that. That's a lot of time that the average person spends worrying. Like we read last week in Matthew 6.20, Jesus told us this. He said, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. If you recall, during the first century, banks did not exist. So what did a person do? They would invest in clothing. And what did Jesus say about that investment? Moths will destroy that investment. They would invest and store away grain. What did Jesus say about that? He said, rust will destroy that investment. Sometimes they would take their gold and their values and they would, they would dig a hole and they would bury those. 
And what did Jesus say about that investment? He said, thieves and robbers can break in and steal that investment. So on the hills of Jesus talking about you and I making the right investments, Jesus talks about the consequences of us investing in the wrong things. There is a consequence for not making the right investments. And that consequence is this. It is a life of worry, a life of of anxiety, a life of panic. In verse 26, we read, Jesus gives us this promise. He said, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are are you not of more value than they? You know, I can just picture Jesus as he sat on the side of the Sermon Mount. And I can picture the, the disciples sitting there. And as Jesus is teaching them and walking through his, his sermon with them, I can just see a flock of birds fly overhead. And Jesus just mid-sentence just stop and say, look at the birds of the air. Jesus tells them, those birds do not sow seeds, but the Father provides for them. He says, they do not reap a harvest but the Father provides for them. They do not store their food in barns, but the Father provides for them. God did not create the birds of the air and then say to them, good luck. No, he created them, and not only did he create them, but he provided them everything that they need. Um, Back in December, I believe, or it was sometime around late November, I came across an internet feed that read something like this. Hatch watch, nation transfixed by two bald eagle eggs. Folks, I must confess, I became transfixed with these two bald eagle eggs. Thousands upon thousands of people were transfixed. Did anybody look at that website when it showed up? My daughter back there because I showed it to her. Um, But several times a day, I would go to this website and just see if those eggs had hatched. This thing was 24 hours a day. Now, I didn't look at it 24 hours a day, but it was a live feed. After a few days, one of those eggs actually hatched. And for the past several months, I have continued to watch this video feed. It has been amazing to watch this baby egg hatch, grow into, it started as an ugly kind of eagle, to this glorious bird of prey. Just this week, this bird left the nest and began to feed itself. So it's going out and catching its prey and bringing it back to the nest and feeding upon that. Folks, Jesus is telling us in this passage of scripture, if I provide everything needed for the birds of the air, I can certainly provide for you. In fact, he states, are you not of more value than they? Do you know your value, faith family? Do you know how valuable you are to God the Father? He created you. He gave you the breath of life. And he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to this earth to die for our sins. We read in John three sixteen of God's love for us. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. 
In Romans 5, 8, it says, but God shows his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You know how valuable you are to God? God sent his son Jesus from heaven, and he came to this earth, lived a perfect life, went to the cross, and died on the cross for your sins and my sins. He was placed in a a, a tomb three days later. He was victorious over death so that you and I could also be victorious over death and life. Jesus went to the cross and died for us. That is how valuable we are. Let me be clear this morning. Okay, you and I are superior to the animals of the earth. You know that, right? You and I are of greater value than the wild beasts that roam the African safari. You and I are far greater value than the fish that are in our oceans. And we are of far greater value than the birds that fly overhead. You and I have souls. Animals do not. You and I have the ability to worship Animals do not. You and I were created in the image of God. Animals were not. You and I were created for eternity. Animals were not. One commentator stated this, the assumption that God's human creation is of more importance to him than the non-human echoes the pattern of the Genesis creation narrative where human beings constitute the final and climatic act of creation and are given authority over the rest of the animal creation. If God takes care of the lesser, how much more can we be certain that he will take care of us? If he closed the wild flowers with all of their glory, how much more can we be assured that he will clothe us and provide for us all of our basic needs that we need? Friends, anxiety and being worry warts will accomplish absolutely nothing in our lives. In Matthew 6, 27, Jesus said, and which of you being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? You know what worry will do? According to one website that I came across, it can literally make you sick. It can give you migraine headaches. It can give you ulcers. It will affect your appetite, your relationship, your sleep, your job performance. It can cause irritability. It can cause heart attacks as well. Anxiety can rob you of your life, but notice what it will never do. It cannot add a single day to our lives. Once again, we read, and which of you being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? It can certainly rob us of life, but it cannot add to our life. So with, so what is the solution? What is the solution to worry and to anxiety? We're going to look at this in just a second, but, but what we need to do is we need to stop worrying. We need to let go, and we need to let God take over and take control. Psalm 27, we read, Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. We trust in the Lord. We don't trust in the peripherals of this earth or this world. We trust in the name of the Lord, our God. Notice our second point this morning is this. Anxiety destroys our witness. 
In verses 31 and 32, we read, Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Jesus tells us not to worry about what we will eat, what we will drink, or what we will wear. You know who worries about those kinds of things? You know who worries about what they're going to eat and what they're going to drink and where they're going to sleep? Gentiles worry about that. The unbelievers worry about that. In Christ, though, you and I were created as children of God. Before a person becomes a Christian, their lives are consumed with worry. But after a person becomes a Christian, they no longer have to worry because God is in control. Now, I understand that this is what I'm preaching today, and I'm preaching to the choir as well. Okay, I worry at times in my life. I am a fallen person. I sin every single day, but I will tell you this, that I know that the, the remedy for my worry is to let go and to let God. That is the solution for our worry, is to turn it over to God the Father. Whenever you and I became a Christ follower, Scripture says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if you are in Christ, you are a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. Our old life was a life that was consumed with worry. But our new life in Christ is a life in which we are able to live freely and in freedom because we realize that Jesus Christ is in control of everything. Heavenly citizens do not have to worry because we have given everything over to God the Father. Have you given everything over to God the Father? I mean, think about that. What are some things that you are holding on to as I think about things that I am holding on to that cause me to be consumed with worry? We've got to let those things go. For you and I to worry is for you and I to sin. When we worry, we are actually sinning. When we worry, we are telling God that he is not the master of our lives. We are telling God that we do not trust that he is going to provide for our basic needs of food and clothing and shelter. Just like last week, let me be clear here. Jesus is not telling us that we're not to make investments, that we're not to have a savings account, that we're not to plan for our retirement years. What he is telling us is to steward that which he has given us For his glory. And since God gave you and I life, we know that God can certainly sustain our lives. Somehow you and I trust that God will usher us into eternity when we die. But we do not trust that God can, can, can sustain our basic needs. Think about that. You and I cried out to Jesus and asked him to forgive us of our sins At some point in our lives, if we are Christians in this room this morning, we cried out and we declared to Jesus that we were going to um, follow him as the Lord of our lives. And we were recognizing him as the only savior of our lives, the only one that can give us eternal life. We made it clear that we trust Jesus enough to save us. But oftentimes we make it equally clear that we do not trust him to provide for our basic needs. Because what do we do? We take it all upon ourselves to store away for a rainy day. What God is telling us to do is to let go and to let him and know that he is going to provide for our needs. You and I have so much more to live for. We have eternity to live for. So when you and I become like the Gentiles and our witness is affected, Gentiles have no one to turn to. Unbelievers have no one to turn to. So worry 
consumes them. In the first century, a Gentile, an unbeliever, worried night and day about their food, about their clothing, and about their shelter. They knew nothing else but worry. But Jesus is telling us, do not worry. In fact, Jesus tells us in Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 through 30, we read, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What do we do when we worry? We turn to Jesus and realize that he has the antidotes that we need. So our next point is this, anxiety's antidote. Two things that I want us to look at. The first one is this, become kingdom seekers. In verse 633, we read, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. If you are here this morning, and you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, then I want to invite you this morning to make the greatest decision that you could ever make. And that is to repent of your sins and turn to Jesus and acknowledge that he is the Lord of your life and that he can save you from your sins and give you the gift of eternal life. I want to challenge you this morning to stop seeking in the things of this world but begin to seek God the Father. Seek Jesus instead of the things of this earth. When we seek Jesus, we have this promise that he is going to take care of us. Now, I I do think it's important to recognize here, okay, I'm a realist, okay? I know the world that we live in. I'm not gonna stand up here and tell you that if you do A, B, and C, then you can be as certain that D will happen. The reality is, and since the beginning of time, good men and good women that love God with all of their hearts have been dying because they have a lack of food and a lack of clean water. Every single day in our world today, there are godly men and godly women that die because they're malnourished. They die because they do not have clean water to drink. And as a result, they drink dirty water and they come down with some kind of a disease that will eventually kill them. There is a real hunger issue in our world and a real need for clean water in certain places. Sometimes life does not make sense. I get that. You get that. We all get that. But here's the difference between us as men and women that love Jesus with all of our hearts. We are kingdom seekers. And you know what kingdom seekers do? Kingdom seekers recognize that this is not all there is. There is a better world to come. These godly men and godly women that die every single day because they do not have clean water or enough food, they know that there is a better place. They are kingdom seekers, and they look for the life that is to come. They make eternal investments in the world to come and not in this world. Kingdom seekers do not store up things for this life, but for the life to come. Jesus said in Luke chapter 12, verse 33, he challenges. He says, sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. 
Think about the first church, the Acts 2 church that we have studied here as a faith family over the years together. One of our core values at Friendship Baptist Church is generosity. In Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 45, we see this first church. We see how they were generous people. It says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. The first church was generous. They were not consumed with material things. They were consumed with Jesus. When you and I become kingdom seekers instead of consumer seekers, guess what will happen? We will become generous with that which God has given us to steward. You know what happens when you and I become generous as individuals and as a fellowship? People take notice. And you know what happens when people take notice? When people take notice, you and I are given the opportunity to share the good news with them. And when we share the good news with people, you know what happens? People get saved. I love what happened in the first church. In Acts 2, 46 through 47, we read, And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. In verse 47, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. The Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. The first church did not seek their own interests. But being the kingdom seekers they were, they sought the interest of others. They made disciples. They equipped one another for the work that was before them. When you and I take us out of the equation and focus on others, then we are not going to become concerned with the worries of this day because we know that God has those worries before they ever rear their ugly heads. Another antidote for anxiety, and our final subpoint this morning is this become content with today. In verse 34, we read, Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Who in this room has ever solved tomorrow's problems by worrying about them today? Has anybody ever solved tomorrow's problems by worrying about them today? Probably not. There is not a single person that has ever solved anything by worrying about it. The problem with being anxious and worrying for tomorrow is this. You will never run out of tomorrows, will you? There will always be another tomorrow. So what does that mean? There will always be something else that you and I will worry about if we worry about tomorrow's problems today. Peter said in 1 Peter 5, 6 through 7, we read, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him, Because he cares for you. We are to cast today's problems at the feet of Jesus and know that he not only will take care of today's problems, but he will also take care of tomorrow's problems. Philippians 4, 4 through 7, Paul challenged us in this way. He said, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. 
Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds. You know what Paul is telling us to do here? You know what antidote he's given us for worry and anxiety? He tells us to pray about it. When worry comes our way, instead of trying to solve the problems ourselves, you know what we're to do? We're to give them over to the Lord. We're to give them over to him and know that he's got those in his hand. Worry has never accomplished anything. So what's the solution? You and I need to stop worrying. We need to stop it. We need to let go and let God if we don't let go and let God, then we're telling God that we don't believe that he can, he can take our worries today and, 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 and solve them. We need to stop trying to solve today's problems ourselves. We need to give them over to the Lord and have faith and know that he can take those and he can, he can, he can solve those worries. You know, most of the things that you and I worry about, there was a, there was a, um, a, a, a research that was done and 92% of the things that you and I worry about are, are, are meaningless things that will never happen to begin with. That means only 8% of the things that you and I actually worry about are legitimate things that you and I um, should not worry about, but legitimate things that, that are worrisome in our lives. 92% of the things that we worry about are meaningless so what are we to do? We're to give those over to Jesus. What are we to do with those 8% of legitimate things? We're to give those over to Jesus as well and know that he's got them. He's got those in his hand, and he will provide a solution for all of them, whether it's health issues, whether it's money issues, whether it's job issues, whether it's school issues, whether it's retirement um, issues. God's got them. Let's give them over to him and know that he will provide the solution that we need. You may be here this morning, and, and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you were to die today, you do not know where you would spend eternity. I want to invite you this morning to make the greatest decision that you could ever make, and that is this, to repent of your sins and to turn to Jesus and acknowledge that he is the only way you know, one of the Bible drill um, scriptures that our students have been learning um, this year is John fourteen six. It's Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes unto the Father except through me. There's only one way for you and I to be assured that we're going to enter into eternal life, and that is to turn to Jesus and acknowledge that he is the only way. We're to repent of our sins and turn to Jesus and acknowledge that he is the only way to acknowledge that he is our Lord and acknowledge that he is our Savior. If you're here this morning and you do not have a relationship with Jesus, then I invite you this morning to make the greatest decision that you could ever make. You may be here this morning. You've been visiting this church for a while, and the Lord is leading you to become a part of this faith family. We invite you to come and make this your church home. I don't know what decision you need to make this morning, but we're going to stand together and we're going to pray. And if there's a decision you need to make, when I say amen, I'm going to invite you to come. Let's pray together. Father God, we come before you. 
again this morning in thanking you, Lord Jesus, just for the privilege it is to be in your house. The privilege it's been to be able to worship you this morning. And the privilege it's been just to be able to continue to walk through the Sermon on the Mount where we're able to sit down at, at, at your feet, Lord, and to listen to you as you teach us from your word, Father. What a, what a joy it is, Lord Jesus, just to see how you have promised us that if we give all of our worries over to you, that you've got them. Father, we don't have to worry about them because you've got them. And so, Lord Jesus, if there is things this morning that we need to release over to you, Father, I pray that you will make that abundantly clear to us. Father, I know that there are some things in my life, Lord, that I'm just holding on to that I need to release and give them over to you. So, Father, this morning, help me to do that. Help us as a faith family do that. Help our visitors this morning that are here to release those things over to you and realize that you've got them. Father, if there's someone here this morning that does not have a relationship with you, may today be the day, Father, that they cry out to you to save them from their sins and cry out to you to be their Lord and Savior. Father, if there's some here this morning that need to come and join this church, Father, may they come this day. Father, we love you and we thank you. For it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.